0: I want my baby back baby back baby back. I want my baby back baby back baby back. I want my baby back baby back baby back. I want my baby back baby back back. back
1: ribs.
0: (laughs) Awesome blossom. Mm -hmm. Thanks for tuning in once again to the Open Road Podcast. I'm Jeremy. I'm Calvin. And we are your hosts. If you didn't go listen to episode one, why didn't you do that and then join us over here? Yeah, you'll have no idea what's going on if you don't. <laughs> so, for you, you know, if you are starting from here, you know, we're a podcast that's all about helping you find adventure in your everyday. We want to share practical tips and also some inspiring stories. We and love to, getting inspired. We just love getting inspired. We need it. <laughs> We need inspiration, and we think you do, too. That's right. Uh, Today, we are uh, diving into our first of five categories, and this is food and drink, an episode on the world of adventure in the area of food and drink. Food
2: and drink. Something that uh, every adventure needs. Every adventure needs to be fueled by something. I think every adventure that we've had, we have just as many like fun adventure stories as we do about the food yeah absolutely yeah think about all the little things
0: yeah all the little tips and tricks of going through Tim Horton's drive-through in an rv or getting the
2: biggest lobster on Prince Edward Island
0: yeah all those good stories but hey I was uh, you actually were mentioning that um, you were out fishing yesterday and you caught a meal yeah caught a meal we wheeled in a lake trout but so that's awesome to me that you actually caught something ice fishing because last year when you and I went, we had an absolutely miserable time.
2: Yeah. 90% of my fishing career is not catching fish, <laughs> I would say. is yeah, pretty poor. So,
0: so, but what was the difference between what you what you guys did yesterday, hauled in this trout, and what we did last oh, year?
2: Looking back on when you and I would go ice fishing is, and then from yesterday, I went with two very experienced fishermen. Yeah. Both of them have l- so much gear. They both had their own sled full of gear. Really? Uh, that they tow behind them. And then they also both had like the fish finder sonar thing that they would like put down the hole and they would just basically sit and watch that. And then uh, like you can actually see the fish come up and grab the hook. It's amazing. Really? And I obviously did not have that. No, I mean,
0: we just literally walked out into the middle of like drilled a couple of holes and just dropped some minnows on a line. We probably drilled
2: like 50 holes until we found like the shelf drop off of this, um, yeah, this kind of um, rocky area we were fishing in. So it was a lot more work for
0: that morsel of food. Did you fillet
2: that thing up? I did fillet oh, that thing nice. up on the back of my truck. It was awesome. <laughs> in the <laughs> I, cold? Yeah. And my hands are freezing. <laughs> yeah. And then I would, like, and then I was did that at where, where we were like filleted up. And then I knew like I was going to bring it home and wash it. And I knew my wife would freak if it, I was <laughs> like, if I brought that mess into the house. So I like was so careful about like cleaning everything off. But like, I cleaned off my hands and stuff in my truck. I was going to say, like, in the snow or what kind of water do you use? No, like, I cleaned it off, like, in my truck, like, wiping it on stuff. And, like, my truck just <laughs> reeks now of, like, fish. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: And um, you also caught
2: another meal on the drive. Oh, ticket. yeah. So I'm driving home from <laughs> fishing and I'm going down the highway, like, going, like, 100 kilometers an hour. Yeah. And I see this turkey, like, a wild turkey coming out on the other side of the road. And, like, kind of just, like, flirting with the idea of crossing the road. And, uh, sure enough. And I'm just keep going. They always just, you know, fly back in the bush. So I just keep going. Sure enough. It starts walking up slowly under the road and then just guns it right at my truck. (laughs) And I just slam it full on. I did not tap the brakes. And side note, one of the very first driving lessons that I ever had was to never tap the brakes or swerve for anything smaller than a child. So, so any animal, Yeah, and I I
0: actually got that advice too. And I've mowed down squirrels on the road before. Oh yeah.
2: I stay true to my track. (laughs) And so I just owned this thing, came flipping up over the windshield, (laughs) smashed into the windshield. And they're like, there's like a gut splatterer and everything. (laughs) So I pulled over and then to have a look at it. Cause I thought, Oh, I live right down the road from butcher. So maybe I'll just fire this thing in the back of the truck. And then, but upon further Inspection. inspection the guts were all blown out the oh. back and it was a big mess so I, I didn't pursue
0: that did you just leave it on the side of the road or chuck it in the woods or anything proper burial
2: i just left it man <laughs> they kind of take care of their own that's true turkeys yeah yeah they're well, kind of superstitious funny i
0: just got a snapchat from a friend who was driving down the road and there was this whole pack of turkeys and they were up in muskoka too i wonder if you killed their brother Oh, I'm sure. I think they're all related. Yeah. So, anyways, that was uh, that was a good story. So, two meals for Calvin in one day. Sadly, he did not get the uh, get the turkey. But hopefully, that fish will fuel whatever your next adventure might be. Oh yeah. So today, uh, in the area of food and drink, we're going to talk with a fine fellow named Nathan, and he uh, is an old friend of mine from uh, from many years ago. Yeah. How old is this guy?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Why does that matter in any way? Say old, like he's this you know. No, I said he's an old friend.
0: Okay. Like, because we, we met many years ago and sort of reconnected uh, uh, recently. He, he's young, he's agile, he's nimble, and he started a very cool brewery down in Sarnia. So, our conversation revolves around um, beer, brewing beer. Um, you know, he has a really neat heart for the city of Sarnia, and the things that he's doing in that town are really, really cool. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's a good conversation. Also, like, a really
2: interesting approach to entrepreneurship, too. Yes. Yeah. So, very we're really different.
0: excited for uh, our interview with Nathan. Um, I think that uh, is all we need to say before we bring him on. Yeah, let's go to it. All right, here it's the Open Road Podcast where you're with Nathan Calhoun down from Sarnia. Welcome to the podcast, Nathan.
1: Oh, thank you. It's great to be here.
0: Now, did you know that you are on our very first episode focusing on adventuring in the area of food and drink?
1: Uh, I am incredibly honored to be number one that you can work out all the kinks and problems with it <laughs> yes. in my story. So,
0: so could you tell us a little bit about uh, the things that you are up to currently in the areas of food and drink?
1: And food. Yeah. So, uh, well, I own a microbrewery here That's in Sarnia, cool. Ontario. Cool. And um, in the process of putting together a food truck, which will be focused on oh, wow. really high quality burgers, and run a bunch of events in Sarnia. Um, oh. One is an Oktoberfest, one is a beer show where we bring in craft breweries from all around Ontario. Uh, one's called Festival of Good Things where we bring in like local food vendors and also craft beer as well into that. So all that's kind of focused here in Sarnia. So it's quite a bit, I guess. Food and drink is a big deal for us.
2: Nathan, I'm sorry to say that we had a couple of Alexander Keiths for lunch today. That's, um, a, that's
1: okay. okay. I, you have to start somewhere yep. and you, yep. you grow into, you yep. grow Thank your you. palate, you, yep. gr- you yep. grow to care about what the things you're putting in your mouth actually <laughs> taste like. But you're young, I think. So, you know, your your taste buds start to evolve as you get older. Uh, your brewery
0: is called Refined Fool, correct? That's correct. T- tell us about how it started. What got you into brewing? How did you uh, get to where you are today? Sure.
1: Um... I I didn't grow up drinking beer at all, Um, probably not until I was 23 or 24, and it wasn't until someone introduced me to craft beer that I actually started enjoying beer, because there was like a wide range of flavors and styles and Mm -hmm. different Mm -hmm. things than just kind of the typical light pale ale or lager that people were getting used to, Um, and so I started just brewing a little bit on my own just out of my house and trying lots of different craft beers that people were introducing. To me, and there was a group of us whose wives all had a book club, and uh, we all felt left out. So, we started an article club, <laughs> and uh, we couldn't even read the articles. So, what we ended up doing is starting a beer club instead, and that ah, worked out ah. much, much better. <laughs> For us. Uh, So we we started just drinking beer. That's all we essentially did. Everyone had to bring different beers and we would taste them. We would talk about them and why they were different. And a lot of the people in the group were just slowly getting into craft beer themselves as well. So we kind of evolved our taste buds that way. And then that very quickly turned into why don't we make this ourselves. Hmm. Um, So we started organizing. There was 17 of us that were all kind of part of it. As soon as we said that we were going to start brewing beer, um, everyone wanted on board. So 17 of us started brewing all in my backyard. We had three different batches going on, and we had three teams where everybody had a role. There was like a note taker, and there was somebody who was checking the temperatures, and somebody who was following the recipe. And It was very organized, actually, Um, and it was a lot of fun. So Dallas, our current brewmaster now, he organized all the recipes, told us how the equipment worked and how everything was going to play out, and all three beers turned out so amazing, Um, and that just inspired us. To be like, we can actually do this and turn this into a thing in Sarnia. So you started so, with
2: three separate recipes?
1: Yeah, we did three separate recipes okay. right off the get-go. Yep. They were 25-gallon batches. So yep. were, like we were outside with like, turkey fryers. Oh, uh, yeah. It was like oh, the yeah. dead of winter. All of our hoses were freezing. It was oh. a nightmare, really, but it was a lot of fun. It was a good day together. Um, so we did that two or three times, and... Uh, From that, 10 of us decided that it would be a great idea to kind of turn this into a business and see if we could start something in Sarnia. There wasn't a ton of craft breweries within um, our range. Like the closest one is about 100 kilometers away. Uh, And so we would bring them into our events and stuff like that. But Sarnia definitely could use something like that for themselves. So uh, after about a year and a half of kind of dreaming and planning, we opened our doors. And that was May 2014 when we did. And yeah, it's been kind of just taking off from there.
2: Uh, question for you, like, a technical question. What defines a microbrewery? Like is it d- to do with the size of batches you're making?
1: Yeah, technically we're actually a nanobrewery. I think okay. we were the smallest brewery in Canada when we started. Oh, wow. We used oh, wow. old maple syrup barrels, yeah. um, which were 200 liters. And, uh, everything was DIY. Like we put together every single piece. We built all the electrical components ourselves. Um, we were doing everything as cheap as possible just to kind of get beer for sale on the shelf. And then we've kind of evolved from there. So now we're, we're probably still a nano brewery. We're still only a 400 liter system. Um, but, yeah, there's like Nano, Micro, and then just Brewery, right. I guess. So backyard there's not official rules about what they're called, right. but right. M- Micro makes you sound way cooler.
2: Yeah, just curious.
0: Now, for those uh, first three beers that you brewed in your your backyard, you said you took lots of notes. Are those beers that you still brew today?
1: Yep, three of our main ones. It's um, Rip Snorter, which is a bourbon vanilla porter. Yep. Uh, Brew haha, which is a nut brown. And Noble Oaf, which is a rye saison. So all three of them. uh, Recipes that Dallas made up uh, based on just like how he was understanding those styles and looking at those kinds of styles of beers and all the different ones. And uh, yeah, he just made them up on the spot. He had never brewed beer before in his life. So I think we knew that we had the right people around the table too when there was such success right off the get-go from there.
2: So what's the, what's the role of the 10 different guys? Like, do you all kind of put in equally, or how does that work?
1: Yeah, so when we started, one of the main things that was kind of inspiring me at the time was kind of like worker cooperatives, right. like the people that were doing the work and making everything happen would be the owners of the business rather than just trying to hire a bunch of employees. So we're, we're not exactly a worker cooperative, but I, we got as close as we possibly could at the beginning. So when we first started, everybody had to put in $300 a month and 20 hours a month um, for the first two years of us opening to actually make everything go. Right. So as soon as you had to put in your 20 hours, you very quickly figured out that everyone would have a different role and, and what they were skilled at. So um f- out of the ten of us, five of us are directors. So we still meet, you know, weekly and kind of plan the vision and like the future of it. Um, I'm kind of more of like. Kind of like a top end organizer and facilitator of meetings and conversations, mm-hmm. and I do all the media stuff. We have a guy that <clears throat> is like kind of purely administration and financial. Uh, we have a, the brewmaster, and then we have kind of an assistant brewmaster who works with all the employees and everybody at the brewery. And then the last guy is the general manager of the whole brewery. Okay. So we have a tap room and all the production, and he handles some of the sales stuff as well too. The other five guys, um, their time is up now. So. They own shares, but they don't actually work at the brewery, oh, okay. and they played a wide range of roles, but most of it had to do with like equipment and renovations, oh, yeah. um, just yeah. to kind of get the place working and all the pieces working well together.
2: Yeah, what did you guys yeah, start out start in start like, out like out for a building? For a
1: building. Um, there was an uh, old office building that was 600 square feet that we got for 400 bucks a month, oh, so wow. Wow. it was amazing. And we just kind of had everything in that front room, the 600 square feet, we had our little tanks, Uh, we had like a fridge and everything was going on in there. Uh, and then we've stayed in that building, but we've now expanded th- to take over the whole building. So it's about 2,500 square feet total. We've ripped out all the offices and the floors. And now it's just kind of this big industrial feeling building with, right, you know, right. 13 foot ceilings with the rafters and exposed cement and brick everywhere. So it looks really cool now compared to what it was. We got really okay. lucky that there was actually kind of a nice structure behind the whole thing before we jumped in there. Hmm.
0: That's that's very cool. When you when you started um, with those with those uh, ten guys and they were all putting in three hundred dollars per month, did that allow you to start pretty much debt free, or how did how has sort of financing worked out between that many people and and where have you kind of grown to today?
1: Yeah, so that was the, definitely the goal is to start debt free. So I think by the time we opened the doors, we had no debt. Um wow. Wow. We which was pretty amazing considering. So we had sold some other shares off to other people to kind of finance some of the initial purchases and everything. But um, the goal was to be able to open our doors and sell our first beer without, uh, having any debt that we are paying off. So all beer sales and any profit from that could go into kind of growth and, and, and building it that way. So, um, now we do function kind of like with a line of credit and operate that way. And we're looking towards, you know, a different model now, but to get off the ground, um, yeah, we did remarkably well. Like when you only ha- have to pay four hundred dollars a month for yeah. rent, and uh, the only other things were equipment. After that, we just kind of saved up the money and bought what we needed to buy, and 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 opened the doors. So everything was kind of pure sweat equity at that point. You know, cutting costs yep. by just building everything ourselves rather than buying it pre-assembled. And um, yeah, so that that worked out really well for us. Um, being able to, people being able to see us do really well without having to go in any debt. And then that kind of earned a lot of favor, I think with people and recognizing that, you know, we didn't just go a quarter of a million dollars into debt, hoping that it would do well. Yeah, we went into yeah. no debt, started doing well right away. And then people believed in us, so they wanted to invest and get behind us after that.
2: Right.
0: Now, are you trying a similar thing with the with the food truck or even how did that idea come, up, come about and how does it relate to the brewery, if at all?
1: Yeah, the food truck is a bit different like we won't be going into any debt cause we're just kind of funding it ourselves. Yeah. Um, yeah. but it, like they downtown Sarnia is kind of like exploding right now. Like different people are moving down here. Different businesses are starting up. They're starting to become a nightlife. Um, and we just really like food and there's not a ton of late night options for food. So we're trying to kind of like fill that gap in. So we're, we're setting it up just a block and a half away from the brewery. The brewery's always been set up that you can bring any outside food into it. So you oh, could nice. have pizzas ordered to it or nice. any restaurant nice. downtown, you can just have delivered right to the door. Um, so the burger truck will kind of fit into that model well. So people can order burgers right from inside the brewery and then just walk down the street, pick them up and bring them back to eat them there. So it's a little bit different. Like it's not the brewery that's opening it. It's another group of okay. friends yeah. that are kind of opening that as well too. There's a lot of overlap with all the different people that are involved sure. but um, sure. it's yeah. a different business that will kind of function on its own and take off that way.
2: When you guys started with the brewery and all and all 10 of you putting in the money and agreeing to put the time in, was the idea of it to be a hobby or did you guys think it could go um, as big as it is now? Um... I don't think any of us really had any idea that
1: it would be this successful. Right. So the idea was that once we started selling beer, that we'd at least be able to hire one or two people just to make the beer and sell the beer. Like those were kind of, so like our first projections were, you know, we'll brew 400 liters a week. uh, And if we sell it for this price, we'll be able to pay an employee to come in and, you know, work this many hours. And so we had it kind of all set up, but um, so, we wanted to be able to hire people, but we didn't know what was going to happen. Like, within as soon as we opened our doors, we sold all our beer in one day, huh. and <laughs> we haven't stopped. Bre- like, for the first three months, we only opened for you know an afternoon because we'd sell all the beer that we make that week in that afternoon. Wow. Like, it was just wow. unbelievably crazy. So, that forced us to like really rethink our model and how much beer that, like. And then we just started producing as much beer as possible, (laughs) and we're now at max capacity and we still sell everything uh, that we make, which is remarkable. So now we can pump out 10,000 liters a month out of the place, and we'll still sell all that without having to put any effort or focus on sales. Um, So now we kind of have some backups where we have some contracts with other bigger breweries that can do big batches for us so that we have some stock that we can pull from when we need to. Um, Using
2: their equipment? Using their equipment?
1: Yeah, they, they, we basically use our recipe on their equipment sure. and they can do, you know, a batch that's like five times our batch right. so that right. we just have a lot of extra beer lying around so yeah. that we're not, you know, sh- having to ever shut our doors So again, you can sell you it. Can sell sucked it. when we do that. Exactly. Got
2: a, little a little bit of inventory.
1: Yeah. So now we have 12 to 15 employees um, and everybody's working a ton. And we've got like delivery guys and production guys and tons of bar staff and everybody kind of has a different role doing that. So in a year and a half, like we've kind of blown our own projections out of the water and have really been just trying to keep up with sure. how successful sure. everything has gone and just making sure that we haven't grown too fast and that we can keep up and still operate smoothly and within our values.
0: That's that's very neat. It's neat to hear how something that started in the backyard kind of moved towards, all right, well, let's find a way to do this on a, on a little bit larger scale. And then from there, um, it's interesting your choices along the way, who you bring into the process, what you, how you choose to grow, you know, it's a mix of you doing things, but also reacting to how people are um, responding. Um, If you think of the way that food and drink kind of relate to adventure, uh, this is sort of a podcast that helps people find more adventure in their everyday. Uh, You know, your experience with food and drink, how would you say adventure ties into the things that you're doing?
1: Yeah. um, Like food is like the necessity of life. So everything that we do or care about is kind of really about life-giving things. And food just fits into that really well. Um, So Sarnia has – Sarnia is an interesting town. Like it's very fairly blue-collar. We kind of like the lowest common denominator of like food and um, flavors and different kinds of things like that. So being able to – expose people to bigger and better things surrounding something that kind of like brings so much life and community to an area has been really exciting for us. So like the brewery has now become a place where Everyone wants to bring their family and show them what Sarnia finally has. Everyone wants to run their events there. People want to um, run concerts there and their retirement parties. Um, And so being able to kind of lubricate all these communities and situations and environments um, with our product is a really exciting thing that we get to, you know, be involved in. And then when when we add the events to that as well, too, like, you know, just having kind of like... A big festival uh, where there's hundreds of people out and everybody's just having a good time and you know there's not fights going on and it's 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 a really like positive um, encouraging environment right. we bring out all the nonprofits from the community to kind of set up booths and share what they're doing uh, throughout the city and we really try to kind of give a stage to uh, people that are doing great things and food and drink just kind of uh, you know grease the wheels of, of how all those kinds of things move for us so um, to me it's like one of the most important things that you can center a business around as well too. Like we're always going to be eating and drinking. Um, It's not something that's going away anytime soon. So we want to do that well. And uh, we want to kind of create communities
2: around those things. Do you guys have other dreams of kind of expanding into other areas of Um, With the brewery? Uh, Just as far as like how you're getting into the food truck, but even other forms of business to boost the community there.
1: Yeah. Like, we're not going anywhere. Um, And so I, every couple of years, we seem to have another idea where we do something and, and, and uh, grow into another area. There's, A million ideas at the back of all of our heads and now that we've seen a few of them work and be successful uh, I think that gives us a lot more confidence to kind of grow uh, into new ideas so people have been talking about whiskey or wine bars or poutine shops and like different kinds of you know ways just to kind of again expose people to different kinds of food and get excited about it and uh, also just kind of start businesses that employ more people in the city doing things that they care about
0: yeah, that's all very cool and neat to I, I really like the comment. Food and drink kind of grease the wheels of all of these things, and all mm-hmm. of these adventures and community uh, engagement, all of that can kind of flow, um, you know, as as along with food and drink. It's kind of all blended all together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if if you had uh, some tips for people who are trying to add more adventure to their lives, either within the world of food and drink or otherwise, what would you uh, what would you share with people? How can they uh, how can they add some more adventure to their life
1: yeah for me um, it's all about sharing and sharing it with people Um, like everything I've done or ever started has always been like with my closest of friends and that um, it it adds new meaning and new excitement to things Um, like there are successful businessmen Um, all over the place, but they're really like lone wolves and they just kind of like have a bunch of money and they put a bunch of money behind a good idea and they see it succeed and it it grows into its own thing. The brewery was, you know, 10 people. And then when you have 10 people, you have 10 families that support that and then 10 networks and communities that that support that as well. And um, when you get to share success and you get to share community Mm -hmm. and you get to share all these kinds of things that we're creating, um, I think it just has created a significant amount of meaning for me Mm -hmm. um, in Mm -hmm. everything that I do. And it makes me super excited about doing something else again in the future is like knowing that I get to share that with my closest of friends and uh, it's something that we get to have together and not just me having it by myself. So my biggest tip for adventure is to never do it alone. Hmm. Always go with people, um, find people that you can trust somewhat <laughs> and then trust them and then <laughs> do something exciting and risky. Yeah. Because when you do that with people, you you grow uh, in your relationship and how you communicate. And it's how we grow as people is doing those things together.
2: Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've heard it before that it's uh, a dangerous business getting into bed with a friend. In this kind of venture. Yeah, it's
1: and, and, the worst advice ever, right. to be yeah, honest. Yeah. Like, what's the biggest thing that could happen, I guess, is like money corrupts everybody, I guess, and power corrupts sure. everybody. But when you kind of put everybody on the same page, um, I would much rather risk. Uh, all that kind of stuff by doing it with people that I love because right. the rewards are so great than just kind of like doing it on my own and ignoring mm-hmm. it. So we had so many warnings. Like this is the sure. worst business model right. I've ever heard. Like people are telling us this uh, when we went to like the business um, consultation center and people looking at that and telling us of the stories of when they got screwed over by their best friend. And, and like I understand the risks that are involved in that, but <clears throat> the rewards far outweigh Um, you know, those kinds of things that everybody seems to be fearful of. And now this is something that, um, you know, we've even, we've gone from like 10 people who had never started a business before to 10 people who have started a business before and then are going to take future risks in, uh, the things that they're going to do. And they're kind of building similar communities as they go. So I think the, the long-term effects are really quite amazing because we did this together.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, that's encouraging for us for sure. Starting a uh, podcast together as friends.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Do it. (laughs) We're doing it. Trust each other and be honest. Like those are the two biggest things. Don't don't let things fester and you know build up. And once you start thinking something, just say it and deal with it there on the spot. Yeah, on the table. uh, That can be the worst thing when you know the communication lines close up and people start to lose trust and start to plan their own things you know, when you go somewhere else. So we meet together every week and we really try hard to keep those things out in the open. And it's not without its problems and, and you know, the fights and all those kinds of things. But you know, a fight with a friend where you actually come out on top, where you both are on the same page is, is an amazing thing than a fight with somebody who you just kind of walk away from and never talk to again.
2: Yeah.
0: Nathan, that's really good advice. Thanks for uh, a, that encouragement on the podcast and B, I think that's helpful for, um, for a lot of people to be hearing. Um, what's the best way for people to get in, in touch with, with the things that you're up to, where can they follow you? What should, what should they go and do?
1: Um, that's a great question. Like I have a blog, but it has nothing to do with the things I do. It's just all my <laughs> dumb thoughts, uh, which is dot Like our brewery has a website, refinedfool.com. Yep. Like we're yep. pretty alive on Facebook great. and Instagram great. and those kinds of things. Um, the, what else what else have we talked
0: about?
2: It's refined fuel everything for all the social media?
1: Yeah, pretty much. I think it's RF Brewing maybe for Instagram. Okay. What's
0: the story behind that name, Refined Fuel?
1: Yeah, so Sarnia is a big petrochemical town yep. which is a lot of refined fuel. Okay. Um so we kind of played on that a little bit and there was also just the idea that we never wanted to be taken too seriously mm. like we're we're a pretty goofy bunch of guys that just like to have fun um but we had really refined palates as well too and wanted to introduce and educate people on different flavors and stuff so seemed those two things seem to go really well together
0: nice i like that a lot that's great well i think that uh that about covers everything everything we wanted to chat about thank yeah. you so much for your time anything else that you want to send out into the into the airwaves
1: um no i think that's pretty good good questions awesome i'm excited to be number one yeah on your yeah. podcast
0: yeah thanks so much for taking some time to chat with us nathan
1: absolutely we'll talk to you guys
0: later okay, thank you really interesting character that nathan
2: yeah really nice guy
0: really appreciate uh you coming on nathan and uh we wish you all the best in the year Head with your burger truck we'll have to go, yeah. we'll go down to sarnia to uh to grab a bite there
2: and I would also like some of that beer. Yeah, some of the beer would be great, too. Like, he we we wasn't able to, you know, provide any for us, so...
0: Yeah, I guess over the internet, it would have been a bit difficult. Yeah,
2: yeah, <laughs> over Skype.
0: I thought you could do everything over Skype. Yeah, I thought you could. I thought it's all the new features of new Microsoft uh, 365 online.
2: Deliver via drone.
0: Yeah, <laughs> straight to your door. <laughs> Anyways, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to uh, the Open Road Podcast. We so appreciate you uh, taking the time to listen. Um, you can find us on the web at openroadpod.com. There'll be a little bit of a blog post about Nathan on there. You can tune into other episodes and, you know, we'd really appreciate you subscribing on iTunes and sharing uh, this
2: with your friends. That's right. And uh, upcoming,
0: we have a little musical feature for you right now. Yeah. We're featuring a great band today. The band is called Highs and our friend Joel actually plays guitar in this band and Calvin uh, had a little bit of a mini adventure when he went to see their show in Toronto a couple weeks ago, snuck backstage and was able to catch up with Doug, their lead singer, grab a quick adventuring tip and uh, have him introduce this new track. It's called, I Do Do You, from their new album, Dazzle Camouflage. Um,
3: do you want me to say my name? Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is Doug from Highs, and a practical tip for everyday adventure is to, to just take chances on anything, like small things, like just like even going to like a coffee shop or like going to do anything every day. They may seem like, uh, like potentially boring or like non-eventful, but anything can be, can be something cool. Like you can meet anybody. And uh, that's how I live, that's how I do it. Like, yeah, I don't know. This is Doug from Highs, and this is our new single, I Do Do You.
1: Yeah, so Sarnia is like a really cool town. We didn't even talk about Sarnia. That was the other part. Oh, yeah. I guess I could have talked about it. Like, Sarnia is a really cool town because it's 70,000 people. Um, We're kind of in the middle of nowhere. Like, there's no big cities that are really that close to us. Everything's an hour away at least, like London or Detroit. Yeah. And everything's really cheap to live here. Hmm. Like, I live in an old retrofitted church, um, and it came with a parking lot, and it had nine bedrooms, and it was $160,000. Wow. It's just (laughs) absolutely gorgeous. That's amazing. It's so beautiful. Um, so you can live here really well for really cheap. Um, and everything's within a 10 minute drive maximum. Uh, but most of us are in walking distance from each other's houses and from all the businesses that are going on down here as well too. So Sarnia Mm -hmm. really, uh, is an amazing place to take a risk on like a business like that. So you can quit your amazing cushy job teaching and work at your new business, um, and still live in the same house that you lived in and not have to like risk, you know, your entire life savings and everything that you've kind of put towards. So, For that, uh, it's pretty awesome. uh, Kind of opportunity that Sarnia kind of gives you for that. Have Mm. you guys
2: got involved at all in like going down to Detroit? I know like Michigan's kind of the microbrewery mecca.
1: Yeah, Michigan has been our main inspiration for
2: sure.
3: Because
1: we like we're right on the border. We can see Michigan from the door of our brewery. Um, So we would drive over every week and pick up. You know beer from michigan and every beer tour that we were doing was always in michigan yeah. you can do 10 breweries and within five kilometer radius kind of thing
3: right there. so right.
1: a lot of that we're inspired by those kinds of places
3: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and a lot of our beers which is why we have you know eight to 12 beers on tap every single day rather than just like the three pale ales kind of stuff right because we've really been inspired by uh, the risk that they're taking and the kinds of uh, products that they're producing there as well too